Can I tell you that the Bible is full of people who endured pain? Amen? The Bible is full of people who had to endure pain. God shows up in the midst of our pain and trials. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God shows up in the midst of our pain and our trials. And I'm believing God for your God encounter this morning. I am believing that God is going to show up to you no matter where you're at this morning, no matter what you're going through this morning. God is here. Everybody say no pain, no gain. Now I mean it for real. Everybody on this side say no pain, no gain. That's better. Come on, y'all. I believe God is fixing to show up here. 1 Peter 5.10 says this. Look at this. It says, but may the God of all grace. Can I tell y'all something? I need some grace. Amen. May the God of all grace. I want to tell y'all something. I just don't want no ordinary grace. I just don't want a little bit of grace. I need some of that amazing grace. Come on, y'all. I need some of that amazing grace. And he says, the God of all grace. Does anybody need some grace in here? Am I the only one? Okay. Make sure I'm talking to the right people. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory. Listen, this is very important. Listen to this. Who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while. My God, I wish that part was not in that verse. Amen. He says, after you have, su- how many of y'all suffered for a little while in here? Huh? The rest of you suffer from lying. Oh, I'm just kidding. How many of y'all have suffered in here a little bit in your lifetime? Once or twice in your life, I'm here to tell you, the Bible says after you have suffered a little while. How many of you can say that the past few months have been kind of a suffering for you? That you've been going through some things. That you've been doing some things. Some unexpected things have happened to you. Am I the only one? Thank you. Some unexpected things have happened to you. Some things you've had to deal with. Someone, a loved one, a family member maybe has been impacted by some things that's been going on. There's some things that's been going on. Listen to this. After you've suffered a while, look, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Do you see that? After you have suffered a while, how many of you have been suffering a little bit? I'm going to tell you there's a special kind of grace you get from suffering. Do you hear me? After you've suffered a while, he wants to perfect you and establish you, but you got to suffer a minute. Oh, yeah, I got one amen on that one. That's not a good point, huh? He wants to perfect you and establish you and strengthen you, but it's only after you've suffered a while. Amen. Another scripture, Hebrews 5, look at this, starting at verse 7. It says, who in the days of his flesh, he's speaking to Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, Jesus, yet he learned obedience by what? Y'all ain't even paying attention. He learned obedience how? By the things he suffered. Amen. So here we go with pain and suffering. Not really your uppity, uppity church uh, uh, Sunday sermon right now, is it, huh? Everybody's kind of, oh, I got up for this. I'm going to watch a wrestling tournament. Why would it? Not so much the stuff of exciting Sunday morning shout down church services, is it, right? 
but it's necessary, guys, for us to understand what God is doing and why God is allowing it to happen in your life. Amen. It is very important for us to understand what's happening and why it's happening in your life. Because I don't know about you. I think I do. I think I do. But I don't know about you. But listen, a lot of us have been in pain. A lot of us have been in pain. And a lot of us have had some questions like, God, what are you doing? Oh, I guess I'm the only one that's asked that question too, huh? Okay. You've been in pain and you're asking the question, God, what are you doing? Listen, this morning I want to tell you this is a safe place because we've all had those questions. And it's encouraging when other people know that they're not the only ones that are a little bit baffled by what's going on in our life right now. Am I the only one that's baffled by the things that's going on in our life right now? You've got political unrest. You've got riots. You've got racism. You've got hatred. Good Lord, guys, we just came out of a global pandemic. What's going on? If you can just survive the attack. Do you hear me? If you can just survive the attack, he's got to come with a blessing. If you can just survive the attack, He's got to come with a blessing. I'm trying to help one of y'all this morning. Amen. I'm trying to tell you right now, it's hard to look forward to a blessing when you're in the middle of a present pain. I understand it. I get it. But I'm telling you, listen, the scriptures are very clear. I want you to understand this, that you can seek God and you can find God. Amen. And that's what we're doing here at Restoration Church, guys. Listen to me. We are seeking the Lord. We're praying for breakthrough in the midst of your pain. We want a God encounter. Can I tell you, God moves on your darkest days. God moves on your darkest days. Everybody say, God moves on your darkest days. I'm telling you. On your darkest days. See, we tend to resist God. And we tend to, to pull away. Amen? We tend to resist Him and we want to pull away. And then, then we want to put the blame on Him. You see how quick we are to blame God when something goes wrong? How can a good God allow this to happen? I can't believe God would allow... Oh, God, you, did, you didn't even pray. You didn't even ask Him before you married that person. You didn't even ask Him before you quit your job and took another one and wonder why the wheels fall off. But you're quick to blame God. It's all God's fault. We must be somewhere else because, listen, Restoration Church. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you we tend to resist him and then we want to blame him. But I need you to understand and know today what God's posture is towards you. Look at Psalm 34. Look at this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's it. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's his posture. And we want to resist him and pull away when we're having a hard time. His, he's close to you. Listen, when he sees you in that condition, you need to know that he is making a move towards you. Amen? You need to know that when your heart is broken, God says, I'm coming for you, baby. Come on. Come on. He's close to the brokenhearted. It don't matter where you're at. Come on, somebody. 
He's making a move towards you when you're in that position. His plan was never to rescue you from all the pain, but to allow you to stand strong in the middle of it. Listen, he said, you're going to have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Amen. There's no pain in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's going to be a day where there's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more sighing, <laughs> no more sighing. Listen, no more insurance. The Krispy Kreme hotline's going to be on all the time, and that's heaven. That's heaven. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I heard my boys back here when they talking about a Krispy Kreme hotline on over there. That's heaven. There's going to be no more pain and no more sorrow. Come on, y'all. God moves on your darkest days. God moves on your darkest days. My greatest life lessons happened on my darkest days. My greatest life lessons happened on my darkest days. I got saved on a very dark day. I was in the county jail on the way back to prison for the third time. They had already taken my kids. And I, there's two kinds of pain in this world. There's pain that hurts you, and then there's pain that changes you. And I promise you, if you ain't suffered enough pain, you're going to go back. I'm just telling you. I was in a very dark day. The preacher came in, was preaching in the county jail cell. Said, anybody want to get saved, son? I couldn't get my arm up fast enough. You hear me? Couldn't get my arm up fast enough. I got saved on a dark day. My kids was gone. My wife was gone. My family was gone. Wasn't nothing but me and the Lord. And that was a great place to be, I'm going to tell y'all. That was a great place to be. Pain can serve a great purpose in your life. Pain can serve a great purpose in your life. The prophet Isaiah, listen to this, had a mighty God encounter. So mighty that he actually physically saw God. Look at Isaiah. Look at this scripture right here, Isaiah 6. Look at this. It was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Amen? And I just want to throw this little caveat out there. I was talking to a gentleman this morning. I was talking about one of his relatives who had passed on from this life to the next. And she gets to see the angelic choir for the very first time. Praise God. She gets to see angels right now for the very first time. She's not walking by faith no more. She's walking by sight. Because she gets to see. Amen. And I want to tell you this. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Can you imagine that? Putting your eyes on God said, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah was a really good king at that time. He was a great king in Israel, okay? In that year, listen to this. Isaiah said, in the year, I lost someone that I respected. I loved that man. He said, I lost someone I respected. He said, when our nation was stable, Uzziah was a great king in Israel at first, and then, and then, and then the, the, the nation started going on a decline, and then he dies. And it was a time of national grief and mourning. And it was on that occasion that Isaiah said, I saw 
the Lord. God moves on your darkest days. Don't ever forget it. On your darkest days, I am here to tell you that God moves on your darkest days. It was a dark day for Isaiah, and he said, I saw the Lord. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but God moves on your darkest days. Amen. Tara and I were at Celebrate Recovery one Friday night, and we got a phone call. And it said that uh, all we got was your kids were in a car wreck. My daughter was driving. They were coming off of the off-ramp on I-94 in Lawrence, Michigan, coming home from a basketball game. It's the middle of the winter. It was December, I don't know, January, February, whatever. Snowing like crazy. And somebody had called us after they left that basketball game. It was my three daughters were in the car and said, hey, your, your kids just got in a wreck, and all we know is the ambulance is getting them, loading all your kids up in the car. And that was all the information we had gotten. So we jump in the car, and we drive 100 mile an hour to Paul Paul because they're coming into Paul Paul, Michigan, into the um, hospital up there, into the emergency room. And all we had was that your kids are being loaded into an ambulance in a car wreck. That's it. And this is what we pulled up. Look at this picture right here. So when we pulled up, that was when they had pulled my daughter out of the, our daughter out of the car or out of the ambulance. And we really couldn't even find our other daughters. You know, where they were in the hospitals, you know, in the emergency room. We're running around frantically. And we got there at the same time the ambulance did, and that's how they pulled my daughter out of the, out of the ambulance, right? Philippians 4.4 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Amen. I want to tell you something. That is a really great churchy idea. But the outworkings of that are unbelievably difficult. Amen. That is a great churchy idea. Rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say to rejoice when all is well. He said to rejoice always. Always includes when your kids are being pulled out of the ambulance because they were in a car wreck. Okay then, okay, if that's what you want, then I need some help with that. I guess I'm the only one. How do you rejoice in that? I need some help with that. Rejoice always. Then I need help. How do you Rejoice when you get to the hospital and all three of your daughters are pulled out of an ambulance. You don't know if their neck's broke, their back's broke. You don't know. So how in that moment do you rejoice? How? Because that's real life. How do you rejoice when you get a report from the doctor that says you're going to die? That's real life. That's real life. Every one of us can have our world unhinged with a phone call. One second. One second, your whole world can be unhinged. Your whole world can fall apart. So how do you rejoice in that moment? Because our reasonableness is not built on whatever the circumstance is. Our reasonableness is built on this next group of words. Look at this scripture, Philippians 4.4, 4, look at it. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Listen to this. Very important. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Amen. That's why you rejoice always. Because the Lord is near. 
God moves on your darkest days. Come on, somebody. He protected our children. I'm telling you, we were praising God, and God moves on your darkest days. Amen. Amen. You rejoice always because the Lord is near. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He's here. Can I tell you? Pain is an uncomfortable topic in most church settings today. It's an uncomfortable topic in most church settings because for some, we have been conditioned that as soon as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you're on a magic carpet ride of wonderful, everything's great, and it's all strawberries and fresh fruit and maple syrup smelling, sprinkle spirit joy, and and that ain't the case. I don't know about when y'all got saved, but I got saved in jail. And it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies and spirit sprinkled joy. I'm just here to tell you. We've been conditioned that as soon as you accept Jesus, that everything's going to be great. And that's not the case. It's not like that. For those who have decided to walk out their Christian discipleship and not just stay at first base. Come on, somebody. Which is salvation. Ain't nothing wrong with first base, y'all. I'm going to tell you something. First base is salvation and it's going to get you to heaven. All right, But if you really want to grow and develop and build and have some substance and have some power in this earth, then you're going to have to walk to second base. Come on, y'all. And then you're going to have to walk to third base. Amen. And then you're going to have to come all the way home. And I'm going to tell you, it costs you something to walk with Jesus. It costs you something. And Jesus made it very clear that you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. At least you have no part with me. And the Bible says that a lot of people were turned off by that. A lot of people were turned off and put off by that saying, and they left him. And then he looked at the disciples, the 12, and he said, hey, you guys going to leave too? One of the disciples said, where can we go? You have the words of life. That's what's happening right now. Amen? That's what's happening right now. When you go through battles, when you go through suffering, when you go through pain, the enemy is assuming that you're just going to stay stuck at first base. Ah, they're good. They ain't going to worry about it. I got them right where I want them. The enemy don't think you're going to fight. The enemy thinks you're going to stay at first base. But guess what we're doing at restoration? We're going to walk all the way around. This is a whole run. This is a grand slam, baby. Bam. Gone. It's a grand slam. I'm telling y'all, listen, the enemy thinks you're just going to be stuck, assuming that you ain't going to keep going. Many of us decided, you know what, I already made my decision. Come on, somebody. I've already made my decision. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to go and see what the end looks like. Amen. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I'm just going to stay right here at first base. We're good. No. Man, go see what the end looks like. Is there anybody that's made their decision about Jesus this morning? Is there anybody here that's made their decision about Jesus? Come on. Have you made your decision about Jesus? Amen. Because when you make your decision to follow Jesus, then that means that you've got to go through the good and the bad. You've got to go through the good and the bad. You've got to go through the ups and the downs. There's times when you're on cloud nine and there's going to be times when you're stuck at rock bottom. Amen. 
I'm telling you, but there's purpose even behind the pain. Look at Psalm 37 right here, verse 23. It says this, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Can I tell you something? The steps, the good ones and the bad ones. It ain't just the good steps of a good man. You got to take the good and the bad. The ups and the downs. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The good ones and the bad. Can I tell you something? If I take an egg and break it open and put it in my mouth, it's disgusting. If I take a cup of flour and throw it in my mouth, it's disgusting. A teaspoon of sugar, disgusting. But boy, when you mix it up all together and bake some chocolate chip cookies out of it, come on, somebody. Woo-hoo! I'm telling y'all right now, it's the good steps and the bad steps. But when you put it all together, look what it does in your life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I've taken a bunch of bad... Never mind, we're moving on. Come on. We'll move on from that. To seek, to avoid pain is natural for us in the human condition. Do you understand that? To seek, to avoid pain is natural for us in the human condition. But when it comes to spiritual development, it is very clear that God utilizes pain. It is very clear that God utilizes pain. And this is very important. I said he utilizes it. There is a big difference... Listen to me. There is a big difference between allowing it and utilizing it. There's a big difference. Come on, y'all. I'm telling you, there's a big difference between sending pain and utilizing pain. Because if we think that God sends pain, then we have to put in our mind that he enjoys us being hurt. Or he enjoys us being sorrowful. And he enjoys us, and that's not the case at all. That is not biblical. Amen? That is not biblical. To say that God sends it, saying that he would take pleasure in it. Can I tell you the devil's a liar? That is not biblical. But I want to tell you something. God will utilize pain to make you grow. God will utilize pain to produce glory in your life. Amen? I'm telling y'all right now, God will use it. And, and, I, and, and, and I want to tell you, he's, he's going to use it to produce something in your life that's going to outlast you. Amen. He's going to use it to produce something that will outlast you. Somebody needs some hope this morning. And I want to tell you, because you came in here, and as you were driving up here, maybe the orange light came on in your car, and you didn't even think you was going to make it to church. You came to church on empty, but I want you to shout at the devil and tell him you're leaving on full. How about that? We're leaving full this morning. Tell him that. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. God will send what you need where he expects you to be. Amen? There are people who miss provision because they weren't where they were supposed to be. I'm just telling you. There are people that miss provision because they are not where they're supposed to be. Sometimes pain is actually directing you to where you need to be for God to give you what he has for you with your name on it. Come on, somebody. That's what pain does. Pain will direct you in the direction that you need to go to get you in the place you need to be so God can give you what he has for you and he's got your name on it. I'm telling you, amen. That's what pain does. That's what pain does. There's a purpose behind your pain. There's a purpose. There's a purpose behind your tears, guys. Listen. But Lord, did you have to use pain? Come on, somebody. Did you have to use pain? 
Could you have used some other way to get my attention? Please? <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I've been through enough. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Could you have used something other than pain to get my attention? You know, I would have loved to avoid pain. I would have loved to avoid suffering, but the truth is to avoid pain and to seek to avoid pain, listen to me, is to actually avoid growth. That's why they're called growing. Come on, y'all. You're avoiding growth. As much scripture as I've read, no one that God used greatly avoided pain. As much scripture as I have read in my life, no one that God used greatly avoided pain. Everybody says, use me, Lord. You don't really mean it. I promise you. I promise you. Be careful. Use me, Lord. You don't really mean it. I know. I'm telling you. Use my gifts. Use my talents. Use me, Lord. Can I tell you your gift is better broken? Your talents are better broken? Your gift is better broken because you can reach more people. And when you say, use me, Lord, you better be ready to be broken. I'm telling you. You better be careful. There are times when I knew God was trying to develop me. And there was pain involved and I avoided it. Ha! Come on, somebody. I want to tell you something. Because he doesn't force anything on us. But inadvertently running away from pain, I prolonged seasons of my life that I should have graduated from. Come on, y'all. By prolonging seasons of pain in my life, I had to, all this stuff. I should have graduated from it a long time ago. Come on, y'all. May I lovingly encourage you this morning to embrace the seasons of pain in your life. Embrace the seasons of suffering in your life, the seasons of challenge, the seasons of question, the seasons where your faith takes a hit. Embrace that. Embrace it. And even in those seasons, if you don't move, I want to tell you because the tree, listen, doesn't die when the leaves are gone. The tree don't die, y'all. It is so rooted that when the wind hits it, the leaves might blow away and the leaves will all be gone. But I'm going to tell you, the tree stays right where it is because it is rooted. And when the rain and the wind comes, I promise you, you can take my leaves, you can take my little sticks, but I ain't going nowhere because I'm rooted. And although it's winter, I know spring's coming. I'm telling you, spring's coming. I want to tell you, pain is a great teacher. It's a great teacher. I want to give you a few points, and I'm wrapping this up right here. Another 40, 45 minutes will be. I want to to give you a few points. Listen to me, guys. I want to give you a few points about God that you need to know when moments of pain and suffering arrive, okay? God is good. God is good. I feel old school church when I say that right there, huh? I feel old school church when I say that right there. God is good. And all the time. That's what I'm talking about. I've never heard them say, well, God is good most of the time. God is good some of the time. God is good. And all the time. You see what I'm saying? Here's the problem. Here's the problem with all the time. Here's the problem with all the time. All the time is all-encompassing. Amen? All the time is when my kids are in a wreck. 
All the time includes when my marriage is on the rocks. All the time is when I get a, a bad doctor's report from the doctor's office. That's all the time. All the time is when I check my savings and check an account and they're just hilarious. That's all the time. It's all the time. Every now and then I see my circumstances and I don't really feel like saying God is good. But I say it anyway. God is good. Come on, y'all know. All the time. Circumstance and life and the attack of the enemy is designed to make you say something about God that is opposite of the truth of God. The enemy will make you say things that are not true about God. Amen? Got to get it. So what God will do is that he will train you through pain to know that whether you have it all or you have nothing, God is still good. Amen? He will train you through pain to let you know whether you got it all or you got nothing, that he's still good all the time. All the time. God is good. Come on, somebody. God is just. God is just. God is just. We all belong to God. God is just. Amen? God is just. We all belong to him, which means that anything that is happening in your life, you cannot accuse God for. That's what that means. If there was anybody who probably had a case, it was Job. Right? People ask, who do you want to be in the Bible? Not Job. Not Job. Ever. Not Job. Right? Who do you want to be? Not Job. Listen. I say you don't want me. Job had his money. Job had his family. Job had everything. He stayed in prayer. The Bible said that he interceded and gave sacrifices for his kids, all ten of them. And then one day, I want you to look at Job chapter 1 right here. Look at this. Now there was a day when the sons of God come to present themselves to the Lord. Sons of God here meaning angels, okay? And Satan also came among them. You know what? He's always somewhere where the people of God are located. Look down your row and see if you can spot him. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's a joke. I'm kidding. <laughs> Ain't he always somewhere where the people of God are gathered? Huh? Ain't he? And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come from? Look at this. So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Can I tell you that the dude is walking the earth? He's in and out of the throne room. He's walking. Amen? He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Freeze right there for a minute. Stop for a minute because I'm going to tell y'all something. Job wasn't bothering nobody. This man is sitting over here minding his own business. He's sitting over here living his little life, taking care of his little thing. You ever been minding your own business and trouble shows up? Huh? Four of you. You ever been minding your own business and trouble just happens to show up all the time? Come on. He says, have you considered my servant Job? Listen, and of course Satan answers and says, yeah. Since you put a hedge of protection around him, everything he has. Translation is, I've been trying to get at him for a while. I've been trying to get at him for a while. Listen, I don't know who this is for, but I'm going to tell you, the enemy's been trying to get at you for a while. Amen? The enemy's been trying to get at you, and I want to tell you, God put limitations around the attack. He said, I'm telling you, he said, you can take all the stuff, you just don't touch him. And you may have lost everything, but I'm going to tell you, he can't touch you. 
This is very important for you to understand this. You may have lost a lot of stuff, but he can't touch you. It's important to know. People think the enemy can just walk in and out of their life, and that is not true. That is not biblical. Scripture makes it clear that he cannot. Amen. Because God is just. Y'all need to know the devil has a boss. So the next time the devil starts messing with you, you just be like, oh, you just clocked in for work, didn't you, punk? Huh? That's all. You just clocked in for work, that's all. Because the devil's got a boss. Amen. Come on, y'all. He's got a boss. You need to understand that God will allow the attack of the enemy, but it is only to produce glory out of your life. It is only to produce glory out of your life. The devil can't just show up without God allowing it. He can't. It's very important, guys. There is no accident. Amen? The attacks on your life were purposed to produce glory. To produce glory. The Bible said he is changing us from glory to glory to glory. Job had a God encounter and was blessed with twice as much as he had. Can I tell you God is righteous? God is righteous. That means that all of his decisions are right. His justice, his judgment, his equity, his, he's right, he's righteous. And in that righteousness is holiness. Amen? And in that holiness is a level of integrity and character that cannot be tainted by motive. It cannot be tainted by ambition, by need, or by insecurities because God is not petty. He is righteous in everything he does. See, we equate pain with punishment, but pain is a professor. Come on, y'all. There's something that pain teaches you that you will never learn any other way. There are things that pain teaches you that you will never learn any other way. The pain will leave when it's finished teaching you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The pain will leave when it's finished teaching you. You're in graduate school right now to have relevance in the kingdom. And pain is one of the tools that God allows to teach you with. Amen. To give you a substance in a way that you couldn't have without going through some type of pain. So please know that it's just a professor in your life that was designed to get you to the next place with God. Amen. It was never designed to destroy you. Amen. Nobody that God uses greatly has not been wounded deeply. And until you've been wounded deeply, you can't help other people through their pain. I'm just telling you. Amen. You'll never understand the pain of others. Look at Isaiah 53. That's why it says it. Well, I don't even have that one. But he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And the reason I can trust Jesus when I'm in pain, y'all listen to me, is because he went through it. He went through the suffering. He went through the isolation. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood. He knows what it's like to live outside. Birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Amen. So if you've ever lived in a homeless shelter, Jesus can lay right next to you because he understands it. If you've lost it all, he'll be there because he says, I understand. When your friends leave you, Jesus will be there to stay. He says, I've been betrayed. I understand. There is a purpose behind your pain. Listen, and the more you graduate from pain, the greater your platform. Amen. Come on. Give God a shout of praise for that right now. Woo, come on. There is a purpose behind your pain. The discomfort that comes with pain 
is actually God growing you and maturing you. Listen to this right here real quick. 2 Corinthians 4.17. I'm almost done. People getting restless. <laughs> For our light affliction. You see that? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's only for a minute. Listen, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Come on, tell somebody you better get your weight up. Tell them you better get your weight up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them to get your weight up. Our light affliction. Listen, it hurts right now. But once you realize that you've graduated from that, and you start bitch pressing that devil, man. Come on, y'all. I'm telling you, your light affliction, but it's just for a moment. You realize that you've got more strength than you've ever had before you got into that problem. Amen. It's producing something that will outlast you. We need weighty Christians. We don't need low-calorie Christians. Amen. Come on, y'all. You don't want to be light in the spirit because I'm going to tell you all it's going to take is one little attack and it's going to blow you away. God is producing glory. God is producing glory with each God encounter we have through pain. He's producing glory. Glory is the illumination of the person of Jesus Christ in spite of the circumstances of your life. No matter what you're going through, God is changing you from glory to glory to be more Christ-like. Glory is the illumination of the person of Jesus Christ no matter what your circumstances are. He is changing you and he is producing something far greater than you will ever. Amen? God is producing glory, and I want to tell you that hurts for a minute. It hurts for a minute, amen? But what he is producing, I'm going to tell y'all, is a far, far, far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. So who in here has seen the passion of the Christ? Praise God. Praise God. So none of us were there. But I have to ask this very deep theological question. Right? God, was all of that necessary? Was all of that necessary? Did Jesus really have to die like that? Was that necessary? Did he have to be blindfolded and beaten by Roman soldiers and flogged and spit on and slapped and then crucified? Did it have to happen like that? And the answer is yes. Yes. This is very important. This is very important. I believe this is about the Father. I believe this about the Father. Listen, he did not allow Jesus to suffer anything that was not necessary. Every lash, every whip, every punch was essential for the salvation of the souls of men. Amen. God does not waste pain. So if something is going on in your life, it has to happen in order to produce glory. I need you to get this. Whatever is going on has to happen in order to produce glory. God is not angry at you. God has not forgotten about you. God loves you more than he could ever love you ever again. Just because you're going through something. God loves you. And he trusts you. To walk through this season and still declare that he is good. Amen. God is good. All the time. No pain, no gain. Woo. The Bible says I'm the Lord and I change not. So when all is well, he's still good. And when it's all gone, 
He's still good. And I want to close with this thought. Come on. I want to close with this thought. In the midst of your pain, stop running from God and start running to God. Amen. God wants to have an encounter with you. He wants to have an encounter with you this morning. And in the midst of your worries, your fears, your doubts, start running to God. He loves you. Come on, everybody stand to your feet for me this morning. Nobody moving around. A couple more minutes, guys. A couple more minutes. We're almost done. Can I tell you the pain is producing glory in your life? Amen? Pain is producing glory in your life. And can I tell you when it's over, you will be more mature in the spirit than you were when it first began. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are battling with the questions of why. Give them peace to be reminded of who, not why. Give them peace to be reminded of who. Who's in control, who's in charge, and ultimately, what you're producing out of us. We thank you for God encounters, and we thank you for the restoration and recycling of our pain. God, let us grow stronger in our faith. And with every, every head bowed and all the eyes closed around this room, nobody looking around. A couple more minutes, guys. It's important. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you need to rededicate your life, I'm going to ask you in a minute when I count to three to raise your hand. Maybe you've been traveling down the wrong road. Maybe you've been looking at this pain you've been going through or this situation and the suffering the wrong way. You say, I'm not right with Jesus, and you know that in your heart. I'm going to ask you right now at the count of three to raise your hand. Come on, one, two, three, raise your hand right now. All around this room. Come on, we see them. See those hands, leave them up. Leave them up. Leave those hands up. We see those hands up there at the top everywhere. Praise God. Everybody repeat this after me and say, Lord Jesus, it's me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. Thank you for changing me from glory to glory. Come into my heart, Jesus, and make me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you, Father. I pray for every single person that raised their hands. Come on, let's give it up for them this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah.